Blog Talk Radio. some reason my phone never wants to take the pen and then it hangs up on me 20 times and uh but i finally got through so uh glad to have y'all here i've got uh, my partners in crime uh with me tonight uh taz taylor uh, Ms. lee reed here as well so uh looking forward to uh getting to the main topics of the night jimmy why don't you join us on, on another line I'll send you the information in just a minute. You guys, uh, you guys ready for the for the show? I'm here. I'm ready. Yes. Hello. My name is Shane. My my name is Shane Hamburger, and I drive the Supercar Series in Australia. And uh, I just came to Chicago. I'm not sure what state the Chicago is in, but. Uh, I showed up to America and kicked all all of your guys' butts, and I'm going to tell all my friends back at home about how I just whooped all your asses. <laughs> so they're coming by herd. Definitely. Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of left... Uh, Wondering how, how this is going to uh, manifest, and uh, you know, I, I I do figure some people were upset with the interview. Uh, basically, that he felt like the top ten of the Trans Am drivers could come here and uh, take care of our old boys at, at their own sport. And uh, you know, I, I'm not sure I agree with that, uh, but uh, you know, they got a little bit more. Uh, you know, they got a little bit uh, more experience at this type of track uh, than than our racers do. And, of course, we kind of knew that from the start uh, by the way that he was rolling through the corners using his clutch. I mean, none of us should be surprised that the perfect storm happened, right? I mean, I don't I – don't, I mean, you know, we didn't practice his name. Uh, I don't think any of us – gave this guy any credit that he was going to be able to come into the sport, even though he's in a top-affiliated car, even though his crew chiefs won a championship with Tony Stewart, uh, worked with people like Dale Jr. and Denny Hamlin. Uh, uh, Darian Grubb uh, is, is, is a well-known crew chief. I'm, I am not as surprised as what I feel like some people are. Like, right, we've seen this coming. We knew that this car was – uh, something similar to what other um, sports car series type cars race and, and whatnot. Um, you know, 
we, maybe we need to start practicing saying these names that we can't pronounce uh, because it does look like the door's wide open uh, for this to uh, for this to, to become a lot more than what it is right now. Um, you know, I, I, Miss Lee, you, you've been a, a devout race car fan. Uh, you've uh, been involved all the way from the uh, short tracks of stock car to where it is now. I mean, personally, I would like to know from you what you feel like, how you feel that Shane Van Gissenberg uh, was able to come in to a race in a NASCAR Cup Series and, and, and be the winner. Um, I know that that probably is something that you've thought about since Sunday, and uh, I would like your, your your first hit at that. Ms. Lee? You there? Oh, did we, did we lose her? I don't know. We may have. Let me go check out over here. Yes, I believe we did. All right. I'm sorry, Am I, I back? got you back on. <laughs> yeah, okay. you're back. My bad. All right. So, first, it's Van Gisbergen, and that's why everybody calls him SVG because no one can pronounce it. Um, <laughs> am I surprised? No, um, you know, given given his background um, and and the the type of track that he chose to have his NASCAR debut on was certainly, um, you know, right up his alley, and um, you know, the similarity, well. Some similarities between the V8 supercars and the NASCAR cars certainly gave him an advantage over someone, say, like, you know, Jensen Button, who comes from open wheel racing. Um, you know, we, we expected a lot more out of Jensen, and he kind of faded it off into nothingness. Um, so no, I, I I'm not surprised. I think that um, not only did the street race gain NASCAR a fan base from that respect and from being in Chicago, but I think it also opened the eyes of the supercars the V8 series that, that uh, Shane comes from as to what NASCAR potentially um, could be another series that, that they could be interested in. Are, are you basically considering that this to be a pipeline situation where these guys that have oh. raced in the supercar, the Trans Am series, they, they, this is almost a smooth trans, trans, uh, over a kind of a pipeline well, where maybe we can know, pull talent from because remember this is the it, same series that Marcus Ambrose came from right, and this I, is the I, same I, series that Scott McLaughlin has raced in. So, but I I've got to stop you for a second there because you're calling it the Trans Am series mm-hmm. and that there has to be a distinction because. The United States has a Trans Am series. 
okay? So that is separate from the supercars in Australia and New Zealand, okay? So there, you have to make that distinction. There have been um, folks that have come from the American Trans Am series into the NASCAR fold. Um, hmm. Oh, and, and my, my mind just went blank. Michael, that raced in the ARCA series, that ran the Sinclair Dino hmm. for um, Venturini. Hmm. He is from the um, American Trans Am series. And he's had great success there, and he is a team coach um, as well as a driver there. So you got to make that distinction. Don't don't call supercars Trans Am series because that's going to confuse American race fans. So I just right. need to throw that out there. However, very, very very good, very good correction. Okay. However, that said. Could this be a pipeline? Absolutely. Look at the the big hullabaloo about the dirt car racers that go to uh, New Zealand and Australia on a regular basis. And they have that east-west, you know, challenge there. So, yes, this definitely could be a pipeline. Um, the potential is there. If NASCAR can handle it properly. Right. And let's just say that, you know, I'm a little bit cynical about that. I found this out today. What? 90 seconds to what? Oh, my gosh. There ain't no way. No, give me just a second. Episodes. No way. Duration, 15 minutes. Advanced options. No way. I thought it was a way to... Yeah, I don't know what's six and a half in there. Um, I don't. Yeah, I'm not going to be able to get it in time. I can't find where to. Uh, it's either not allowing me to, or hopefully we'll stay on air here. Regardless, if if, if they were listening to us live, they'll still be able to go to the uh, podcast. So this way, they don't get shut off. 
And I don't think it doesn't like we're going to get shut off. Okay. So unfortunately, for those that were uh, listening in on the last podcast, uh, y'all just have to catch up on the uh, uh, on the replay. Um. Wow. Talk about complete uh, dropping of notes there. So we, what we were talking about was uh, basically, uh, you know, Miss Lee's thoughts on Shane uh, Van Gisbergen, right? Or Gisbergen? Gisbergen? Is that? Gisbergen, yes. Okay, Gisbergen. All right. And, and the likelihood of his success, whether or not anybody uh, had that on their radar. The, the reason why I went to Miss Lee first is because we've actually discussed uh, when Kimmy Raikkonen. Uh, stepped in the Project 91 car. Her and I both believed uh, that Kimmy would have a really good outing. Um, he had a so-so outing. Uh, it wasn't much to brag about, but you did see bursts of, you know, how good he really is on a, a road course type situation. Um, now, I have to believe that uh, we are still left to go to Taz for his, his thoughts on that, and hopefully during that time I'll be able to think of the uh, thought that I had uh, for you, Miss Lee, uh, as, as as Taz gives his uh, thoughts on Shane and the pipeline that's basically been created uh, from you know ba- the the series that Shane SVG has raced in that's uh, had uh, current people like uh, Scott McLaughlin, uh, you know, uh, IndyCar driver. He's already got a couple of IndyCar wins. Uh, maybe that opens the door for him. I do remember now. Uh, what it was, I found out today that this guy has not only won in the uh, NASCAR Cup Series, but he's also won in a four-tenth sprint car. I mean, this is this is New Zealand's Kyle Larson here. So this guy is not he, he he's not no bum, right? Uh, Taz, uh, give your thoughts on what you feel about uh, Shane Van Gisbergen uh, and his. Uh, you know, Cinderella story. I mean, it just, it pretty much shows that there is similarity, there is a good similarity between V8 supercars and what we have now with the NASCAR Cup Series. I personally feel like, um, I personally feel like had we stuck to the Gen 6 car, um, we probably could have seen a different story. Um, but I, it, certain, it makes you sit here and think, how similar are these next-gen cars in comparison to, say, a V8 supercar? Um, and I do want to mention with the whole, mis- with what Miss Lee w- mentioned with the, uh, with the dirt side of things, too, is that um, U.S. and Aust- I feel like U.S. and Australia somehow have a lot of good comparisons with each other because, as Miss Lee mentioned, some dirt racers uh, during what would the U.S. go through as the winter season, um, they go over sometimes go over to Australia and race on dirt there. Well, if you go over to the Super Dirt Car Series or the Short Track Super Series here in the Northeast, you'll know of a driver um, known as Peter Britton. And if you don't know Peter Britton, 
Well, I'll throw in a little background information. He comes from Australia. Um, the modifieds are big, are in are big in Australia too. So, he when he came from Australia to America, um, he already had similars. Uh, he already knew what he was getting into, pretty much. And I feel like Shane kind of, uh, kind of knew, regardless of what he said about how comfortable or uncomfortable he was, he already had some sort of, he had to have some sort of comfort level or some sort of mindset of going from a V8 supercar to a next-gen stock car because of, I mean, if you look at the supercars, they pretty much look like your your normal street cars minus, you know, that, but on the supercar, they have the, uh, the twenty pound wing that things that sits right in the back of that, back of these back of those cars, and so I mean, so I kind of feel like um, the guy's just as you said, Chris. He could be the Australian New Zealand version of um, of a of Kyle Larson, pretty much. Um, right, right. And we, you know, John Stewart, I mean, we've got several only... American drivers that, that can basically wheel anything, and this is, you know, the SVG the, may fall in that the, category. The one thing that, I mean, it doesn't surprise me of how well Van, SVG did um, as a whole. I think the only part where I'm surprised about is this Project 91 car. And I'm not sitting here saying it's a it's a start and park car. It's not that by any stretch of the means because we've seen it run. I'm just surprised. I think I'm surprised of um, how good of equipment that car has. I mean, it's only ran a few yeah. races, and it's not like it, it's not like with that car specifically. We've seen it easily run top ten, top fifteen. Um, right out of the bat. So I'm right. So it, and makes, no, so it makes me think: is no real this car to... really a real deal? Could Trackhouse really try to pull, make that car a full-time car if they want to and keep the performance? When you have Darian Grubb at the top of the pit box and a crew and a pit crew that uh, had a flawless weekend. Um, I, I, you know, I, I definitely see that uh, the resources are there. Uh, you would expect Darian Grubb to be uh, making a decent amount of money already, even if he's an intern crew chief uh, for a part-time team. Uh, he's definitely not doing it for charity work. Um, uh, is this the step in the direction that Project 91 needed uh, to become a full-time ride? I think that takes away from the emphasis of Project 91 in itself. Project 91 is a project whether or not track house goes to a three car team, look guys, they're coming off of two wins back to back. Okay. Uh, all this crap that I've talked about, they're going to have to prove to me that they are who they are. I'm, I'm, I no longer need any more proof. Um, as a matter of fact, I, I, I pictured the man in Chevy, the man that's representing the Chevrolet department uh, in, in itself at the, at the racetrack as a manufacturer he had to have been smiling in his suite, right? Because this is this is the other Chevy team 
this is the uglier sister, right, of Hendrick, right? I mean, this is – they got different motors. They're, their cars are coming from different places. Um, you know, th- this is not a satellite team of Hendrick Motorsports. This is the rise of another Chevrolet team. And so, you know, as, as much love that's given to Hendrick Motorsports, uh, you just had to feel this moment of uh, – <laughs> Like uh, they, they, what's the Simpsons guy? What's the uh, Burns, Mr. Burns? Like, look at what I've got here. <laughs> you know, like this is this is not only a team uh, that's born, a star that's born, a team that's born, all of that uh, through this Project Ninety One. It's all come together. Like, you know, Pro Track House wins at Nashville. Their their shop is located in Nashville. Um, you know, they're connected to the music business. Now they bring in a sports car driver from uh, New Zealand and without any major cool setups or really time to work on this car, they're able to be ultra competitive uh, with the other drivers within the series. But, but we shouldn't be surprised by that because we saw the camera view from the footwork at practice. Like we knew what we were facing the moment that somebody was smart enough in that production center to put a camera on the feet of SVG so that the world could see that we're dealing with a different beast here. These uh, uh, cub drivers are not skilled to roll through a corner using the clutch the same way that SVG uh, has made a career out of. I, I, I am going to... I'm bring a little surprise on you guys. I'm going to bring in what I believe, who I believe is kind of a sports car overseas guru specialist. He understands this, this side a lot more than I think I do. I get I give my son a lot of credit here. He, he's definitely not the typical cup just cup racing fan. He digs a lot deeper into racing than even I do. But um, uh, I'm going to bring in uh, Jimmy, as we call him. And let and uh, yet let him give his thoughts uh, real quick on what he felt. Of you know, basically, I would sit here and say that maybe of any of us, you were really the guy who said, "Hey, Dad, this car transfers well." So, uh, Jimmy. Yeah. Right, do you want to go to the uh, to your to your mic or you? Yeah, my mic will be a lot better. Okay. Okay. Well. Four two five. Okay. We'll we'll let you get on your mic. Okay, you guys hear me? Welcome, Jimmy. You guys hear me? Hello, can you all hear me? It's going to be 425. I am in here. All right. Um, so the whole supercars, can you hear me? Well, we're, yeah, okay. Uh, so we got you. when he was coming in, I noticed how the car was handling a bit different. And he's got previous, SVG, he's, not the typical supercar driver. He's definitely like what was said earlier, like the Cal Larsons of New Zealand and the Kiwis. Um, just overall, whatever he gets into, he's got experience in rally car and supercars. I feel like rallies a lot where NASCAR, the car control and such comes in, and it's just a completely different feel of it. And it was, this race was also kind of set up for – him to when you pull in a guy who races third of his schedule is 
street courses and such. And NASCAR, this is the first time since, I think, 98 Los Angeles uh, exhibition race that happened for NASCAR. Um, so these cup guys haven't really had much of a share on good road, road course racing. And what we do see, they don't have to confine to the track limits as a street course. So there's definitely an edge, in my opinion, on that side for how we saw how dominant, but I don't know if it will be fully a pipeline per se, because I don't think every person from the supercar line is going to drive as phenomenal as we see SVG's done. Um, he's just like our American, the American version of, or New Zealand, Australian version of our Kyle Larson. Um, I feel like he'll come in. He'll do pretty well. He might be able to adapt over to NASCAR a bit if he does decide to come over. Um, could see him fork out a couple wins. Um, um, but overall, I think he's a really good driver. Um, the... Cup drivers are going to learn over time, so this will be kind of a like learning course for the drivers. I think they definitely needed to get shown how to drive a proper road course. Um, the so like what we see on the typical road course, like Daytona, even like Daytona, Watkins Glen, Sonoma, it happens a little bit, but it's a little bit different. The drivers overdrive every single corner. They they sit there and drive way off the track limits. It's not anything of what they're used to, uh, being in a street course, being confined, unlike how the supercars run and such. Um, but I think next couple of years, road racing might overall get better uh, just because this race will force them into a new discipline of racing um, that is primarily seen in a supercar style drive um i've heard a lot of people talk about like from over in the supercar scene how they really enjoyed the nascar race um they even mentioned something about how they like the cars um maybe down the road a partnership where nascar can confine with them get something working uh to where they use the cars but that's going to be about it for me. I'm going to pass back over to you. All right. Yeah. Well, Jimmy, so, Jimmy, Jimmy, I've got a question. All right. What's your question? I, I've got a question for you as far as um, trying to explain it from a or, – or to a fan, the difference between street racing and – road course racing, because we know there's a big difference. But I don't know that the fans necessarily know the difference. Yes, so, like, the difference, the main difference between the two is the walls, obviously. Uh, With a road course, um, NASCAR isn't too keen on throwing track limits out there. So, like, coming out of the inner loop of Watkins Glen, before you come up to the final two corners, they love to run all the way, almost like they're running the boot. 
that's how far out they drive. Meanwhile, a street course confines you into a very tight, narrow, uh, forces drivers to use braking as a ter- as a passing instead of what we're used to of an overall just you have the better run, get by them. Um, the, that's really the key difference is just our street course is much narrower. Uh, roads are a little bit worse condition than typical because it is a ran on the street. There's might be potholes and such um, going between concrete and asphalt versus just a full asphalt course. Um, the cornerings are usually a bit tighter on a street course as well. Uh, when I say tighter, I don't. I mean there's not as many sweeping corners. It's more narrow hairpins and uh, winding turns that help keep everyone packed together as they're driving. Uh, the one downside is, like what we saw during the cup race, thankfully it only happened once and later on in the race, everyone, or when the big pileup happened. That is a very common thing right. to happen in street races. I'm surprised it only happened one time. Right. So talk again a little bit more about the importance of using the clutch, which NASCAR drivers don't normally do. All right. So this one, actually, if you go back all the way to, I think, early 2000s, you'll notice with Juan Pablo Montoya and even Marcus Ambrose, they were very keen on using the clutch. And what that does is as you're going down into the corner, uh, you use the clutch in order to set the body instead of just throwing it into the corner. And it gives, uh, on the downshifts, you can match revs a little bit easier. You can get the car more planted under braking, which allows you to get a smoother exit on there, and you're not jumping the tires as much, getting back onto the throttle. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. I I do want to point out, I like the rally reference you had there um, because, I mean, yeah, a rally, sometimes uh, rally courses or even rally cross itself, um, you have track limits there, even though if you look at some of these rally tracks or rally cross tracks, they don't have, um, it looks like they have no limit to how far they go, but they really do. Um, and I like how you come throw that in comparison to a street course and how there are similarities there. Um, also, in, uh, when you are comparing street courses to uh, road courses as well. So that really sparked me right there. So I like that rally reference you threw in. Yeah, rally, I think it's honestly one of the more underviewed things. I, a lot of people can understand it, not just because yes. watching rally itself is boring, like could be boring, but it's a matter of the driver's car control. That's the part that really sets itself, being able to control that car at any moment. These cup drivers can do it usually on ovals, but when it comes to combining it with different sections, is where they start to struggle a little bit. And that's where Project 91 is, I think, doing a superb job of bringing in these other people in to help coach the other drivers while still keeping a competitive side. Uh, Like with Jensen Button, Kimi Raikkonen, and 
SVG, of course, but what the difference between Kimi and Jensen is that they're an open-wheel driver. They're not able to be as aggressive as a V8 supercar driver can be. They're very aero downforce, um, get in the open air, go, versus and can't touch or you're out of the race, versus a supercar, at least second-gen supercars. Third-gen, I've heard stuff about their braking very bad on contact. That's a different story, but older supercars, they could make contact very similar to NASCAR. Right, no. and it's a point that that I brought up earlier about, you know, how we had expected Jensen Button to do much better, and he kind of just, you know, faded away. So that, to me, um, shows that there's more difference between the open-wheel racing and NASCAR versus the supercars in NASCAR. 100%. There is definitely a big difference between open-wheel versus closed-wheel or stock car, production car style, driving correct. There's a question I want to ask you and see if maybe you come up with a golden answer. Should, now, you mentioned how Trackhouse does a perfect job with this tra- or Project 91 of bringing in um, non-NASCAR regulars like SVG, um, Raikkonen, and a couple others, for example, to try to run these road courses and street courses um, and still remain competitive. Should NAS and I, and I've seen this firsthand with uh, Travis Pastrana's uh, Rallycross series or whatever, but should NASCAR drivers, knowing that there could be a street course um, at least once in the next few years, try to experience different forms of racing such as like rally or maybe supercars or just so that when they have this guest driver um, show up to a NASCAR cup race, they can actually, you know, compete and not get their butts kind of spanked. Um, yes, I definitely believe, and we're already seeing the case with Ford development. Um, Chris Buescher, I think Haley Deegan, they run the 24-hour Rolex usually. Um, but going into different disciplines is always a positive thing for a driver because what anything, even if it doesn't fully correlate, can still experience bring over. Uh, just a matter of getting the experience of racecraft, uh, disciplining, learning how other people drive, um, how to control the car better, uh, just even minor details like uh, shifting through a corner can be improved by learning how different cars and disciplines are and bringing that over. If I hope that makes any sense at all. Oh no, it does. I, I was, I figured because um, I know, like, if a general fan could probably ask that question, because, like I mentioned, I've seen um, Cup drivers do one-off races for Pastrana's Rally Cross Series, like Chase Elliott, Austin Singer, Kyle Busch, for example. Um, so I was wondering if maybe you thought if NASCAR drivers could go out and experience a different form of racing to help develop their craft in this special uh, street course type of racing, knowing that um, 
there could very well be a street course race within the next year, two years, or however long NASCAR feels like planning this out. Definitely. Um, especially, I would say, like, if you're going to practice for street courses, uh, the sports car series, or even trying to get a link over into the V8 series would be the perfect place to actually learn specifically for street races. Um, I don't know if drivers are going to jump on that or not. Um, could definitely start seeing drivers try to show up for like the race of champions to get a little bit extra on, because, you know, I don't know if you know of the race of champions, it's a year. It is a race uh, every year where all the best of the world can come together and race like rally cars and such and see who's better. I believe doing more of our, more of a representation from NASCAR could help further driver progress and have better drivers at street racing and other disciplines of driving as well. Well, this has been a very interesting conversation and, um, I'm glad that, that uh, we brought you on, and I hope you'll come back and, and we have more opportunities to, to talk about um, drivers coming from other series. Uh, hopefully so. Drivers, uh, hopefully the with SVG winning, it brings in a lot more drivers wanting to see that since they can win, they'll come over. Um, especially on the road courses side, I would love to see a Project 91 on an oval. See how someone from who typically has a road discipline does on an oval compared. Because we, I don't, as far as I'm aware, haven't seen the 90, 91 car out on a like half mile or a super speedway, as far as I'm aware. I could be wrong. Now the question: so What do you believe? Uh, is, is, there, is there actual? Hold on, put yours on me. Okay. So uh, we had the Le Mans race a few weeks ago. Now we have SVG coming to NASCAR. This is kind of uh, in, at this moment the all eyes on NASCAR, right? I mean, we have literally tapped into the world of racing. And now there is somebody that that has has recently won. What significance is that going to bring with NASCAR and this maybe global opportunity to expand? Not just with the racers bringing racers here, but also racing abroad. So racing abroad, uh, there's we've learned with like the LA Coliseum, where if we want to bring an oval over there, to or over to any overseas type of race we can definitely bring an oval there's also some really good uh international tracks that i think would be on nascar's lineup to go to monza especially with it having such a history and used to even have an oval itself um along with suzuka we've raced that one before like nascar's raced that one before um back in the day international I believe NASCAR will go internationals here soon. Uh, may, might not be in a form that people think of, but 
but well, I mean, it's already technically on a international scale because of the Garage 56. But I believe that they will start expanding for an exhibition race outside of the United States, and that will bring in even more fans. But I don't know if that's going to bring a different era of NASCAR or not, um, just because it will have little differences from what we're used to currently with ovals and even how our road courses are, because each road course is made a little bit differently. Um, the other drivers definitely, like from other court, from other parts of the country, are probably going to be wanting to look into this uh, because it is on the rise. Uh, unlike F1 and such, which are already popular, NASCAR's kind of fresh meat out there for the racing world again. It's starting on the incline, going up. Uh, ratings show that with the street race that it was best race since a couple years, I believe. Um, and I think that's about it from me. So, so I got a question. You mentioned um, you mentioned how NAS you you want you could see NASCAR expanding internationally. Are you talking about the Cup Series in general? Because there's already a Mexico, a Europe Series, and a NASCAR Pinty Series in Canada. So is that what you're referencing to? Um. Maybe the tracks they race on, yes, but I believe, like, in a cup car, yes, international, as, like, an exhibition where our cup drivers go over there. Um, the, like, I know we've already got the Euro Series, we've got the Mexico, the Mexico Series, uh, Canadian Series. There's already NASCAR throughout the world, but they're not really, like, I don't want to say not the best of funded, but they're not as mainstream as how the NASCAR that, Americans grew up with and are watching currently is it's their pipeline series to get you over into the Xfinity series and such. Meanwhile, I'm thinking more of the cup series going over and displaying their showcase. Kind of like uh, garage 56 did with um, uh, Le Mans but to an extent of an entire field instead of just one car and more more closer to what we see on the track now versus a car that's been modified, which that would also be pretty cool to see a Garage 56 series. But I don't know if that's a proper way to go, through, like thinking of stuff, because I, I, I would say that's more of a hypothetical than a reality. Right. Well, you know, I mean, you can go one of two ways. You can go NASCAR integrating into these other series or NASCAR popularizing on the uh, success of Garage 56 and Garage 91 and setting up their own series. So, you know, six of one, half a dozen of the other. Right. It's very interesting uh, bringing in, I mean, at some point in time, you wonder if NASCAR is going to have to come up with a non-compete clause for their drivers, which would basically limit where their drivers are going to be able to race at. All of this is already being discussed between the RTA and the new TV agreement, 
Um, the one thing that keeps all this kind of open and in this fluid situation is the fact that this is one of the only sports where there is not an actual union uh, for for either side. So um, it is still the wild kind of the, like the wild wild west. Is a, <laughs> and it so much can can be said on that, good and bad. Uh, there there are um, you know situations like uh, with healthcare and stuff like that. That of course the NFL P, uh, PA and the Major League Baseball Association, those uh, player associations, uh, they fight for you know uh, extended um, uh, you, you know. Um, uh, monetary funds, healthcare, and stuff like that. So, you know, unfortunately, one, if a driver like Jerry Nadeau gets uh, physically injured in a wreck um, and his life is forever changed, then he it's based off the community and whatever he's already made in NASCAR uh, to uh, to get him through the rest of his life. And and we've seen with uh, drivers uh, like Dick Trickle and all that there's just that you know. There are some there are some good benefits if they were to uh, to have a union, but there again, as you said, Miss Lee, the union really it it screws up more than it than it can actually help. Um, I, I do thank you, uh, Jimmy, uh, for coming on here and, and giving some of your uh, uh, knowledge uh, of the overseas style racing. Uh, through rally car, uh, you know, we we'll just just name some of the stuff, I guess, real quick, Jimmy. That uh, that that you actually your interest in racing is a little bit more broad than I believe what we have on our. Yeah, so I currently have been keeping up with the uh, international GT series. I watch, I try to keep up with rally, even though that's really hard to keep up with. Uh, Formula One, Formula Two, uh, sometimes Formula Three. Um, I watch a little bit of supercars whenever I can find it, um, and just about any sort of GT racing going on in the world, I typically have it watching all the endurance racing, especially that's probably the biggest thing I enjoy the most is watching the 24 hour, the 12 hours, six hour and such. Um, but all racing's racing and I love it. So thank you all for having me. Um, I'll hand it back over to y'all. Right, Thank you, right. Jim. Well, that's uh, it was that, that's it was where, a wealth of knowledge uh, shared, and we appreciate it. Most definitely. Come back uh, anytime. You know, the world spectrum. That's the world spectrum, um, and and where NASCAR can can go to uh, in, in the future. And, and you know, um, the, my takeaway is with SVG. Um, it's a Pandora's box that's been opened. Everybody will be compared now to what the success that he's had, even though this has not ever happened before. Everybody after him that doesn't complete this process will be looked at as an underlying, uh, 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 you know, somebody who wasn't able to accomplish the what, what SVG's done. It's a perfect storm. We've never had a street course. Um, uh, you know, this it was his first time there as well. It's an off team that that's not even a full time team. You know, these those, these are things that just don't typically happen in NASCAR Cup Series, and I don't expect it to happen continuously. I, I know some people were put in that we should give a waiver uh, to the Project 91 team so that they could race for a championship. Look. I'm sure he would tell you that he would love to compete on of oval 
but it's not like he's going to just jump in a car uh, at, at Chicago or, I mean, at uh, um, uh, Charlotte and, and run top five. Um, it would be, you know, we were on his playground. Now bring him to our playground and see what happens. But my biggest thing is I want to see the first guy, whether it's Willie B, Alex Bowman, uh, one of these uh, guys that goes outside of their, their realm of racing and races other types of cars, I want to see somebody go jump in a supercar. I mean, I, look, the invitation needs to be both ways because if we're going to compare what's going on here, uh, I think Jimmy come up with a great thing, that, like what, what these guys didn't know coming into this race, they're going to know now, right? Because everybody's going to go to the work, film work. Everybody's going to go exactly. to the drawing board. On, on exactly. the next time that this happened, it's so funny. When we first seen, when my son and I were both sitting here watching it. When we first seen the foot shot, I said, son, you'll never believe this. I said, but this has got to be a production man who was from the old school, because I remember a foot shot about 30 years ago. I believe it was Ricky Rudd at Sonoma, where they showed how he was able to go through his feet using the clutch to basically have better control of the race car. And all of a sudden, right. you know, it just changed the way that people raced at road course. And, but we've got away from exactly. that with the sequential shifting. Right. Exactly. Right. And, and don't you think that every single driver is analyzing that right. camera work and trying to figure out how they can use it? That's exactly right. Without a doubt, drivers, teams, crew chiefs, they've all gone back to the drawing board, and they will not be beat again like that. I promise you. It will be in the simulator. They'll figure out how this guy is. We went to his playground, and our boys got whooped. And let me tell you something. There's nothing better than seeing Chase Elliott with his darn uh, bottom lip poked out and talking about, I can't believe we got our ass handed to us by a New Zealand. And that's no offense to a guy who's very talented race car driver, but I love the fact that my guys felt like they got their ass handed to them. Because now we're going to go back to the drawing board. We're not as good as what we thought we were. So now this is where we do, what do we do? We dig deeper and we become better at that. If we're going to go to seven, eight road courses, along with a street course on our schedule, that our guys need to be better. And what better way to put this as top priority for the next race is to have our boys get their ass whooped. Now, look, I think the biggest argument over the weekend as we move to topic number two, and we've got to move to topic number two, we'll be here all night. Topic number two, I shared an article with you guys. Christopher Bell was quite pissed that uh, he won two stages. Uh, there was a caution. And then all of a sudden, about 10 laps after the caution, NASCAR comes over the radio and says, listen, guys, we're shortening the race uh, by uh, – it's, it's basically 28 laps to go. We're, we're shortening the race by 25 laps from uh, 100 to 75. And I think at that point in time, it was 28 laps to go. And guys had already come to pit uh, some of the back-of-the-pack guys who had nothing to lose at the time, right? They come to the pit. They're, they're fueled up, uh, and then NASCAR makes the announcement. I, I'm I think my that probably – yeah, yeah, go ahead, Miss Lee. You know what? 
no one could predict the weather, okay? That was totally out of NASCAR's hands. However, NASCAR knew going into this that we could potentially run over. NASCAR screwed this one up. They should have started the, should have posted the start time much earlier. And then we could have avoided that debacle. They did not give much wiggle room, but I don't know if we could have gotten back racing any sooner. There was actually two rules broken this weekend that I think have never been broken before. One, we finished a race without being halfway. And two, we started a race in the time frame. And I know that NASCAR knew when we went, but they technically used that, well, if we don't have any caution theory, right? (laughs) If we don't have any caution, technically we can get done by sunset. My thing is every every crew chief, every crew chief had that opportunity to do the math that this race was probably not going to go the full length. Look, we're talking about 25 extra laps of, son, what were the lap times? One minute and 38 seconds? So that's well within an hour over, or almost an hour over uh, what the time frame would have been. Right. Everybody had that same information, Ms. Lee. We can't can't blame other, other teams because NASCAR didn't say, hey, Y'all need to be doing your math teams because this race is probably going to end early. No, but do they have to tell when rain's coming? Well, regardless, (laughs) regardless of the weather factor, they knew they couldn't finish this race in time from the get go. From the get go, they knew it. They knew it. And the crew chiefs should have, too. That's why they're paid. There were people back at Charlotte that did not get that memo. That's the concern there. Everybody always wants to blame the race director, blame the racing series. But in reality, the smartest people on pit road was probably the guy that was sitting maybe 12th or 13th. But in the end. No, but, but that, Chris, it I doesn't do, even matter. I do blame I do blame NASCAR. I do blame NASCAR. They they knew that based on the number of laps and everything that they could never get this race in on time before the dark. Period. Those are two rules. And then you have to factor. Then you have to factor in potential weather. Right. You know. Yeah. Unfortunately. Right. You know, they had to finish the Xfinity race, but they still should have had an earlier start time. You know, these guys ain't stupid. They know they've got a factor in for weather. So what the hell were they thinking? Sorry. And I guess I, I guess what we want to say is does you know, is NBC willing to carry IndyCar and NASCAR at the same time? But I understand that this has really nothing to do with the network. This is really NASCAR saying we want 
uh, the best viewing uh, ships possible for our West Coast people. We want to make sure our West Coast people aren't having to get up at 10 o'clock in the morning on Sunday, even though, you know, I mean, it's really a decent time to get up. Uh, but t- typically people in the West, they, they get up a lot later than us. I don't know how because everybody has to be at work at 8 to 5. Anyway, I digress. The fact of it is, is NASCAR believes that viewership is higher if they wait till later in the afternoon to start the race. I am not sure if any point in time other than the time that we dropped the green flag on Sunday that we could have raced any time. Uh, I know that my son and I both kind of argue it doesn't look like it's raining as hard. But listen, when we were here, it, it was literally two minutes in between Chicago saying, do not leave your house. The roads are flooded. The interstate systems are shut down. And NASCAR literally two minutes later says, drivers to your cars. <laughs> so I'm not sure if that was maybe NASCAR saying, to hell with your leadership here in Chicago. We're going racing because we're not paying all the extra stuff that it's going to cost for us to have this facility again on Monday. Um, I, I don't know. There was things that happened that was unprecedented. Um, I'm still, if I was, if I was the second place finisher of the Xfinity race, I would protest, uh, the ending of the Xfinity race. I think that anybody in their right mind would, of course, uh, uh, Dustin Long was quick to point out the rule that, uh, they have the right at any point in time to change their rules. Uh, NASCAR clearly showed us that. And I guess it was in protection of the fact that somebody could possibly protest uh, that race, why we didn't put those guys back in their car and let them uh, roll around the track for two laps uh, to complete the race on Saturday, I, I still uh, race question. Tires. You know, there was there was several things. Uh, also, the 30-minute delay was turned into a 90-minute delay, not because of lightning strike, but because that was a city ordinance. Uh, to evacuate the parks, they were, uh, there's so many horror stories of how people in that situation, um, you know, it's unreal. Um, I guess, uh, Taz, Taylor, if you want to bring in your thoughts on whether or not it was fair, NASCAR changing the rules mid-game, um, uh, you know, I, th- I kind of feel like that's kind of what they did. Uh, they, they did go against, you know, they, we've been so, these rules can't be broken, and then NASCAR throws out this little this little small piece in the rule book that says, "Hey, if we ever need to break these rules, we can." Taz, what's your thoughts on that? <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> yeah, NASCAR had to have known um, that they should have known that the first time on a street course uh, race. Things were not going to look perfect, especially with the wet weather conditions they were handed with to start the race. Let's put it that way. Um, whether or not they could have moved it, uh, they could have moved up the time. I don't know. Maybe they kind of figured Xfinity may may could have possibly ran over. I don't know. Had that race actually finished out? Let's put it that way. Um, I do like the fact that NASCAR gave it a shot. I'm not a big fan of them adjusting the number of laps um, on the fly. I kind of feel like NASCAR should have, if they wanted to change the number of laps in a race, they should have done that before the race started. Or just never said anything, right? I mean, that's that's the other stance that they could have done, Dad. 
They could have just not said anything at all and let it play out. Go ahead. I I just feel like if you're going to change your laps in the race, you need you can't do it on the fly. I mean, I understand they had to. There was no choice. Um, but in the same instance, like they they should have changed it at like towards like the start of the race. That way, there um, all teams could plan it, well, for yeah. a seventy-five for a seventy-five lap race versus a hundred. I mean, twenty-five laps. Shoot, who knows what could have happened in that twenty-five laps. You know um, what, and that, and that's a good point, Taz. They, if they if they planned that poorly, but they knew ahead of time, they should have announced it at the beginning of the race. Exactly, because I mean, as Chris said, there are teams that were front runners to start the race, and then kind of um, made, and then kind of fell back towards the back of the pack. And at the time when NASCAR announced, oh, it's a 25 lap, we're shortening the race by 25 laps due to um, darkness and whatnot. Then at that point, I mean, yeah, the teams in the back pretty much kind of said, well, we can play pit strategy. And I mean, shoot, we have nothing to lose. We're sitting there in the bag anyways. Um, as you Chris know what? Mentioned. I don't. I don't think it would have changed the outcome of the race. No, it didn't that much. It would it would it would have shaken up the um, the the standings at, at the ending, but I don't, I don't think it would have changed the I think, winner. I think if, I, I I don't think the result of SVG winning would have changed. Um, I would think that, that maybe the drivers that, that the, the drivers the like, field, like like hold on. The drivers like Chase Elliott, uh, Kyle Busch, um, I think there was a couple others like Christopher Bell that were front, that were running in the front beginning part of that race and then like fell back and they were running like outside the top 25. Um, those guys could have, um, that ran a different pit strategy than everybody else did. Um, I think they may, they probably could have lost out at one point if a caution fell on their way but at the same time I think it could have changed the outcome because they probably wouldn't have gotten the finish as they did Ed, those, um, unless like I said a caution somehow fell into their favor right I was asking if you were drive through the field but yet Christopher Bell wasn't uh, that's that's the question. Because I mean, you know, Chris you, look at, you look at the gra- you look at the graphic towards you look at the graphic towards the end that NBC showed. Which, by the way, I love that fuel mileage and tire wear graphic that they show. Um, instead of you know Larry Mack trying to tell us with his mathematical nonsense behind the scenes that we pretty much don't care about. Um, but I I like the graphic that they show because I feel like Justin Haley and Austin Dillon. Had those 25 laps been extended, I think those guys that were running um, in the front of that race before they had uh, their inc- their own incident, um, I feel like they would have went from uh, front runners to you're driving towards the back of the field. Uh, not sure about Chase Elliott and Kyle Busch. I feel like they were pretty – they somehow managed, but they were pretty much on the same pit strategy as the guys that were um, – 
has guys like SVG. Um, I'm trying to think of a couple others that are right there with him that entire time. Um, crap, I'm I'm losing memory of who was up there. I have to go look this up now. Um, but the guys that were running, they were basically right on the same same exact pit strategy as SVG, pretty much. Yeah, uh, it was Bale, me... it was Byron, it was um, all the Larson, Larson, Kendrick, McDowell. The guys who wound up strategy as SVG and guys like Justin Haley or Chase Elliott or Kyle Busch who were you know running towards the back of the pack. Meanwhile, they were they did start towards the front and they were looking like easy contenders, but <clears throat> I mean, at one point they fell off with their own incidents and they were running outside pipe 25, as I said, and had those to- 25 laps um, been there, I think the race outcome could have been different. I don't think the race winner outcome would have changed, but I feel like guys, as I mentioned, Elliot Bush, uh, Haley, uh, Rhinestone Cowboy, I don't think they would have been right there in the front contending for a win or even top five. Ms. <laughs> Lee? I just, I, I still, you know, I, I, I just, I'm, I'm just pissed at NASCAR. I think they handled it poorly. And they, you know, when you plan a race, you always plan for potential weather. And knowing you don't have lights, you plan that race accordingly. And I I just, you know, I, I loved the race. Don't get me wrong. But I think that NASCAR just planned it very poorly. And they dropped the ball on the tire barriers. I will say that. I I don't know if it's a, if they put the tire barriers in the same way as other street courses that you see in other series or or in the NASCAR international side. Yeah, that, um, that's but, a good question. But whatever they did with those tire barriers, I mean, I don't know. If, like I said, I don't know if they installed them the same way and they didn't hold up to, say, the weight of a cup stock car versus, say, uh, maybe a lighter car, like obviously IndyCar, Formula One, or even like a stock car in Canada or that could be a little lighter. Because, I mean, you look at, in comparison to the Pinty's car versus a NASCAR cup car, Cup cars got all sorts of sheet metal and stuff um, for their bodies. Um, if I remember right, the Pindy series is like carbon fiber, so their bodies weigh like nothing. So, in comparison to sheet metal, so I mean, there's a weight difference there already. Yeah, the the, the, so the higher were- barriers were definitely not that well planned out i i will give them that they were in the right positions yes but you know you have you have to understand too though that they could not alter the street so 
you know, whether they could staple them down or whatever, you know, there were probably barriers to them securing that barrier better. And so that's something that, that they need to look into going forward. And they need to lean on IndyCar for that. And the one thing that I, I do like with these tire barriers is that, as you said, they were in the right spots, but they also did its job of making sure that the car, that they absorbed the energy the car would give it when a car would go into it, into this tire barrier. And the plus side of that was it didn't really create damage to the car. And if it did, it was very minimal. Look at Kyle Busch when he first went into the tire barrier. There was hardly any damage on that car. And, um, and it, no also, it, it also didn't create harm to the driver. No, it pretty much did its job. I mean, Kyle, like I said, Kyle Busch, when he first went into the tire barrier, um, there was barely any damage to the car. And obviously it showed because when he was up front, he competed up front. Um, yeah, he fell back a couple spots at one point, but he was there. Uh, Noah Gregson, I mean, him in turn six, he likes. Anyway, um, the number of times Gregson went into the turn six barrier, he could still keep going. I mean, shoot, he. Right. I mean, him in turn six was not seeing eye to eye at all, but. Yeah, no, he was not still at able all. to keep going. I I thought when he first hit the tire barrier, I was like, ooh, he's done because I thought he flat spotted his tires trying to get out of there. I'm not going to lie. I didn't think that the tires were going to be uh, that forgiving to the uh, front end. When, when Bush first ran into those tires, I thought, man, this guy's the first guy out, right? Like uh, he's destroyed the front end of that race car. Uh, you know, the tires really did. The, the, the main issue with the tires is the car is getting wedged uh, underneath there. Now, one thing right. that, I, you know, that was great, I mean, uh, I think Noah went one lap down and he ran the tires how many times? <laughs> Five times or something like that. So, uh, you know, it was really yeah, hard to, said, to I, lose a lap. You know, I don't, I don't know you know, what the regulations were as far as how they were able to secure the tire barriers, but obviously that's something that needs work done. Yeah, and we'll, we'll see improvements, of course, um, the next time we uh, encounter this type of racing. Um, so we've covered a lot already. There was a lot of grumble, grumbling uh, amongst leadership in Chicago and where NASCAR stood. And, you know, we, we were all, I think I would have taken uh, the bet that this race would have never actually even happened. I don't, I don't think that I was ever not excited about the race. I think that I was really just thinking that at any point in time, Chicago is going to pull the plug, uh, no matter the ramifications. Um, I don't feel like NASCAR was openly welcomed uh, by the government leadership in Chicago, and I'm not really for sure that this race will happen in Chicago again. I do want to say that I've seen shots at this race 
that I never in a million years imagined I would ever see. And to see them coming off of Michigan Avenue, I think it is, or whatever, where they were basically running down the street of the downtown district. And in the background, you've seen people walking the streets. You've seen taxi cabs and people driving the road. That was just something that in my mind, it wasn't – there, there's no other comparison to it. There was nothing else. That was a first time for me. And I just feel like a lot of the gas was taken out of this and, and the coolness of it uh, because of uh, lack of leadership or, or bickering between NASCAR and Chicago and basically the feeling amongst everybody that, that NASCAR was not even welcome there. What are your guys' thoughts on that and whether or not you believe that NASCAR should return to Chicago and or take their parade elsewhere. I'll start with you, Miss Lee. You all know what my um what's the word I want? What my misgivings were about running this race in Chicago just because of the politics and everything, all the crime and everything and thank God Things were safe and, you know, nobody got hurt and all that. But, um, yeah, well, you guys really don't want to hear what I have to say about this. But there are plenty of other cities out there who have, A, either hosted a street race in another series or B, would be more welcoming and more willing to work with NASCAR. So I am not against, and I said this from the beginning, I am not against street racing. And it proved to be absolutely entertaining. I was on the edge of my my seat the whole race. But yeah, we can we can find someplace else to put it. I mean, but it wasn't so cool, Taz Taylor. What's your thoughts, man? I mean, you know, this is definitely there was there was a political change when all this was done. It was the Lightfoot woman who I don't think had any credibility for anything other than uh, bringing this race in. I think that was the only thing in her administration. I think she even did that was positive, right? I mean, she brought uh, an economic value uh, to the city of Chicago. And when you look at the overlapping the city and how huge it is and just, you know, the, I mean, it was just, it was this perfect kind of storm that unfortunately, um, kind of like the dirt race the first time, everything, it's Murphy's Law, everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Um, from the political side to it, to the uh, to the weather, but it all in the end, there was a lot of smiling faces. Whether or not we should have to divulge ourselves in this uh, political crossfire is 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 up for debate. NASCAR signed a three year deal, but Chicago at any point in time can give NASCAR 180 day notice that this event does not go on. That means that our calendar race calendar can come out. And in six months, we have to change that race calendar or find someplace else to race if Chicago decides 
that they don't want to do this race again. Taz, dig a little so, deeper. Yeah, what are your thoughts? We're more friendly. What are your thoughts? Yes, exactly. I want to, Taz. What are your thoughts on this uh, this matter? This is where I kind of hate that politics get involved. I mean, I understand that you know they have there has to be like a politics side of things, but I feel like this is where they need to keep that out of play. I mean, they should have known that there's a NASCAR fan base in Chicago. I mean, granted, Chicago Land Speedway, NASCAR has been there for years before um, all of a sudden, um, all of a sudden that we NASCAR um, basically doesn't run, hasn't run there in a few years, along with Kentucky Speedway. So, I mean, were they really looking at it for the people's sake? Just to kind of, I kind of feel like they, they kind of shut their mouths to an extent because, you know, NASCAR coming in, that's money for the city, blah, blah, blah. I don't think they were really in it to please the people. Um, because, I mean, if you really think about it, um, if I remember seeing it right somewhere, that should the Cub Series not be able to race um, on Sunday, they had they only had Monday to work with. And if the race didn't get on Monday, then they were pretty much screwed because um, Chicago, I guess co- Chicago's contract pretty much said NASCAR needed to be out no later than Monday. And at that point you sit here and say, well, what is, can NASCAR come up with a plan B if that happens? Or can NASCAR put in enough investment to these, Chicago officials and say, or Chicago petitions or whatever, um, and say, look, we had this happen. Um, there's been times, obviously, where our races have ran into Tuesday, um, into Tuesdays before. So we need to plan, you know, a little further out in case of that. And this is where I kind of feel like the politicians will say, will put kind of put their foot down and say, nope, you'll have until Monday and that's it. And this is where it's going to shoot NASCAR in the foot in that instance. And it makes you think, should we hold a, a street course? It does make you think, should NASCAR find a different market to make this work? Well, not only a different market, but you've got to think about a major city, any major city that has that amount of street shut down on a normal business day, what is the economic impact for the city? I mean, seriously. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.